Welcome to episode 21 of the Over the Counter Podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck. And I'm Andrew Whaley. Uh, today we're going to talk about cool stuff we'd like. <laughs> cool stuff we like. That's such a... <laughs> I love that. This sounds like something that I would pitch to you that you would want to do. That's <laughs> what this sounds like. I love this. And I... lo and behold, here we are recording it. Um, so... There are a lot of this was your idea, just for the record. Okay, well, well, now they know. Okay, so there, yeah. there's a lot of interesting stuff out there that is to be liked, and um, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that is the most likable doesn't always creep to the top of the market for whatever reason. You know, the, sometimes the ideas that are the most interesting don't always produce the most commercial success. Yeah, for sure. Um, but there are a handful of things that are, I think are really interesting and worth looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I would just enumerate some of the ones that I like, and then we could talk about some of the things that you like, Andrew. Um, so maybe I'll start with the LiveScribe pen. Yeah. Uh, most people probably have never even heard of all the company named LiveScribe or the pen that they make, um, but they've actually been making it for a few years. Yeah, now. I know all about this. Yeah, they didn't have a they didn't have a Mac version for a long time. So um, I, I found yeah, it they, and then I ba- bailed on it because I had a Mac. Yeah. So it's about 100 bucks, I think, maybe 200 for the souped-up model. But the LiveScribe pen is basically this. It's a pen with an audio recorder that you use to write on special paper with. And the paper remembers where the recording stops and starts. So what this means for a student, for example, is you could sit in the lecture hall and take notes by hand with your pen, and your pen's recording the lecture that your professor's giving. Mm-hmm. And then when you want to go back and review your notes... If your notes don't make sense to you, you put your pen down at that point on the paper, and it starts playing the lecture from that point. Wow, that is amazing. Isn't that incredible? That's a great idea. I mean, I think that that is the idea where the digital and kind of the... The, the real? The real are coming together and helping each other. Exactly. Is where it, it's really headed. The um, Last year, year before, last year... Um, Evernote teamed up with Moleskina, the little journals, and um, they cre- they made smart paper, like the smart journal, and basically you can write in it and do all this stuff, and then you take a picture of it, and it lines it all up and corrects any angles and everything based on this grid that you can barely see, and then you it puts it onto your Evernote, and it makes it searchable. Yeah, so LiveScript does that automatically. All, everything that you write ends up in a PDF. I remember just wanting one of these really bad um, when I first saw it. So from the student side, it's pretty cool that you can do that. When you go to review your notes, you can hear the lecture again or whatever. Mm-hmm. From the teacher side, it's also really cool because what you can do is sit down in your office and say you're a math teacher and you want to explain how to do a particular kind of problem, right? So you can be drawing on the paper and talking and recording yourself and what you're writing Mm -hmm. and then turn that into a talking PDF. Wow. Right, so that then you can send it to your students. Your student can open up the PDF file and hit play and watch your pen markings show up on the page while you're talking about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Which, I, I mean, it's just... It's, it's the closest thing you could get to recreating that experience of sitting in the classroom, watching the professor draw on the board and talk through something, mm-hmm. you know, except you're able to recreate it in a digital environment, which is just amazing. You know, I think that's the I think that's just where it's all going. It, it, so much technology takes us away from. The, the 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 real interaction, the real writing, the real conversation, right. and and if you, you can use that same thing to hack the situation and give you more access exactly to that experience, and or augment that. I mean, I talk about augmented reality 
but they mean you're looking through your screen instead of at the world or if you're Google Glass, you're looking out through the lenses and you're seeing reviews, digital reviews. Uh, then I like the idea of being able to catch reviews quick on the fly for someplace I'm thinking about eating. When I was in New York last year, uh, I downloaded, um, I can't remember what it's called. There's an app for the New York Times that tells you based on where you're at by lo- location, by GPS, all the best cafes, bars, restaurants, the, like and where they're at around you based on all the reviews for the last several years in New York Times. And I, we found so many off the beaten path, amazing things. So there's something digital I'm, that helped us find something. I'm not a big believer in online restaurant reviewers. I really, I really like lengthy reviews by very experienced reviewers. You know, because it used to be that every newspaper had one or two people that that was their whole job was to go around to restaurants and review them. And to, I just, I don't know. To me, it's such a much a much well, no, better. No, no, kind no. Of this thing. was based on. This is this there's a this is based on columns and professional reviews in the New York Times. So like the coffee house it was based on Okay. Well, okay. So whether or not Oliver okay, so that's, Oliver that's Strand better than Yelp or something. Yeah, no, this is based on whether or not Oliver Strand Right. Had, but had but that would only work good, in a city like New York, right? It's not going to work in a place like Denver. No, it worked perfectly in Denver. It'd be beautiful in Denver. Westward kind of has that. Well, anyway. Love, uh, what other cool stuff do we like, Andrew? Um, I've seen a couple of um, going on this um, trend of augmenting uh, and changing reality and behavior, connecting to your reality and helping you change behavior. Um, there's a couple new things I've seen. Um, there's a, a thing called Automatic that just got launched that is a little software, a little a little transponder kind of thing that you plug into the slot that like mechanics would plug in to check your um, your check engine light error codes and all that and it interfaces to a piece of software on your iPhone and checks your entire car like while you're driving it tells you details about you know how much gas you're using and makes suggestions it helps give you navigation that's like the device from uh, progressive the snapshot yeah yeah, so they have this is I mean this is cutting edge but kind of interesting insurance technology. So insurance rates are based on all these statistical factors that can be measured, right? Right. And one of the things that's really hard to measure is driver behavior. And so Progressive has been experimenting for a few years with this thing they call the snapshot, where you, it's a device that you plug into the service port on your car that monitors your driving habits mm-hmm. and then uploads them to a server. You get a discount for being part of their beta program or whatever. But eventually, right, I can imagine all insurance companies requiring you right. to have one of these things on your car at all times. And they can use the statistics of your driving patterns to predict how frequently you'll, frequently you'll get an accident that cause an insurance payment to be made. Yeah, they do. And what's funny is that I just had an experience with my insurance company that's infuriated me because I haven't had a wreck since I was 18 years old. I haven't had a moving, I mean, I haven't had a wreck since I was 16. I haven't had a, a moving violation since I was 18 years old. And because a couple years ago, I lost a business and my credit score took a really serious ding when you lose everything overnight, that happens, right? And I've been kind of crawling out from that credit wise. And um, whenever that Target hack 
happened. The big Target store hack. My card got ta- taken in that. And so I had to change out my card. And I changed everybody out. And some little glitch in the system happened. And they didn't get my auto withdrawal on there. So next thing you know, State Farm isn't getting their money. They canceled my policy. I restarted it. That triggered some review. They called me up and said that but based on my credit score and those late payments from a couple months ago, which were just because they didn't get my auto withdrawal thing done, they don't want my business anymore. Wow. And I'm like, but I haven't hit any wood since I was 16. I'm 43 years old. I drive really well. And you've just been getting your money every month, right? But they are so going on these parameters and statistics and everything for predictability. So I'm switching insurance companies. I found great quotes, people who did want my business. State Farm's going to lose my business now. But it's like they, so it's interesting stuff like this. On one side, I'm like, okay, well, yeah. But then now they're looking at other parameters like, whether or not I'm behind on my student loans or something like that. And that has to do with whether or not I'm more likely to be a deadbeat, I guess, and get into a wreck or have a DUI or something like that. Even though my behavior has never shown anything even like that. Oh, I mean, because they, they, they have statistics on millions of people. I should call progressive, I guess, and, and get the snapshot. Get the snapshot because <laughs> I drive really well, right? And I drive very slow. Well, we'll but this automatic, really this automatic thing, it's at automatic.com. God knows what they paid for that. Um, it gives you driving feedback about your braking, your speeding, your acceleration and all this and what, how that's affecting your gas. It has an accelerometer in it. So if you crash, it can tell and it will call someone immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just set it on do not disturb. But then if you get a check engine light, it'll just show up on your iPhone. Oh, you've got a, ma- a, a minor vacuum leak in your such and such. So you, you you can choose to ignore it or take it into the yeah. So it does, it's basically they've built in the software that some of the stuff that your mechanic has. So and it's ninety nine bucks and there's no, uh, for one time and there's no recurring now, what, fee. What would be the value of that over getting uh, a meter that hooks into your Android or iPhone? A meter? What do you mean? Well, I mean like uh, the 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 um, device that reads the service port, but it doesn't do it while you're driving. It's just you can just plug it in. I don't understand. How would it, you mean it would monitor your driving somehow, or no, no, no? So, so you can get a device like that that mm. that works in conjunction with your phone, but it doesn't do it in real time while you're driving. It's just <laughs> like if you would just want to check, you know. Oh, like if, you're, if your check engine light comes on or something. Oh, well, I mean they sell that kind of thing. Yeah, if, if you're looking for just for the check engine light, well, okay, and then. Um, well, let's go on into one of yours. I've got another one that's kind of similar okay. to this. So, 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 so that's automatic.com if anybody's interested. Okay, so there's something else that uh, Sony just released called Digital Paper. Um, and I have been waiting for a device like this for a long time. I've heard you talk about Even this. though this isn't exactly what I want. So let, let me just describe exactly what I want. So if anyone from Sony's listening. Yeah, right. All right, so what I, what I want, right? I mean, there are all these tablets and e-readers and all kinds of things out there, but mm-hmm. none of them serve my purposes as a professor yet. Yeah. Um, what I'd like to be able to do is grade papers, right? Using one of these devices so that I don't have to print the papers out or, or, okay. or whatever. Um, or I'd like to be able to read, oh. say, journal articles on them and make annotations while I'm reading. But here's, here's the kicker, right? I want something that, that is uh, at least uh, eight and a half by 11, okay. right? I want something that is color. It doesn't have to be doesn't have to be millions of colors. It can just be you know a few colors, but it needs to be, have colors so that I can annotate in a different color than the text is. Okay, okay. like highlight or write with a blue or red pen or something. Um, and it needs to be an e-reader, right? Not 
LCD screen. I don't want an LCD screen because I don't like staring at lights all day. I'd rather look at something that looks more like paper than, than a screen. Um, those are basically my requirements. It would be nice if it ran an operating system like Android or something so that I could use apps and things with it, but those are my basic requirements. So anyway, so Sony came out with something really close called Digital Paper, which um, it basically looks like a piece of paper with a frame. Uh, and it's, it's about a quarter inch thick, uh, and it is eight and a half, uh, sorry, the screen is 13.3 inches, so it's the same size as an eight and a half by 11 document, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's basically ex designed for my purposes, for, for reading a PDF document or something. It comes with a stylus, so you can write on the screen, but it's, it's only black and white, unfortunately. That's, that's the only thing I have against it. And it's really expensive. It's over $1,000, <sighs> sadly. Um, but I think devices like this uh, are going to come a lot closer to replacing paper than computers ever did. You know, I mean, that's just one of the most ironic things about computers is that right. everybody thought, well, once we got everything on computers, then we'll use a lot less paper. We're actually using way more paper right. because you can print stuff out. Yeah, and I, and I definitely – there's things that I want to write and that I want to read on a screen. And there's things that – I mean, it's even down to – how to say it? There's different books that I interact with in different ways. I can read novels on my Kindle, no problem. Yeah. But you, I mean, but what about the Bible, for example? Well, I've got I've got the Ignatius Study Bible on the Kindle, but I'm so used to writing in my Bible. Well, and not just that, but let's say you're done. reading one passage and you want to flip back to the Psalms, you know, or a cross reference or whatever. It's a pain to do it with with an e-reader. It is, and another one would be, um, even though they've got some really good new solutions, my breviary. I cannot get off of really consistently off paper and leather cover for yeah. the breviary. And so I end up, if I want to keep reading the Liturgy of the Hours consistently, I end up dragging my breviary everywhere because I've got it on my iPhone and it's quick. And it, maybe if they had it on the Kindle where on the visual paper, it would be a little better, but on the e-paper. E yeah, you should just get one of these Sony things. It's only a thousand bucks. Well, yeah. No big deal, right? I'll do it tomorrow. Um, I think that it's interesting there's books that I can read just fine, if, but if it's a, if it's a nonfiction book, especially if it's a spiritual book of some kind, I want to underline things, and I hate doing that on the Kindle. Right. So I'll get, but sometimes I just, I'm just not interacting with information that way. I just bought The Orthodox Way by Callisto Square, and I'm trying to read it on the Kindle, and it's not working for me. I'm about to order the paperback. Yeah. But I'm reading um, God's Voice Within by Mark Thibodeau, which is like the kind of thing I would normally read about Ignatian discernment and all this. And there's a lot of great quotes. I'm not really feeling tempted to underline. I'm just yeah, like, well, I'm just reading the information. See, this for is some the reason. thing, you know. Amazon knows their market, right? And. The people that buy a lot of books and and read them cover to cover are people that read a lot of novels. Right. And the Kindle or the Sony readers or whatever else is are are really designed for that kind of reader who's gonna read a book cover to cover and not go back and forth and underline things right. and look at the index and whatever. But the way that I usually use a book, I mean we're talking nonfiction books, right, scholarly right. books or whatever, that's a totally inadequate format because that's not what I'm doing. Right? I'm not reading the, the book from the very first word to the very right. last word straight through. I'm digging around in the book for the information that I'm interested in at the moment, uh, using the index, using the table of contents, using right. flipping back and forth between the pages, reading subheadings and headings, right. reading it's... footnotes, all that kind of stuff. 
and I really need that on paper right now because there isn't something that replicates that experience in the digital format. Right. If there was some yeah. way to, if there was some way where you could do real quick, fast searching and moving back and forth between things and toggling and and stuff like that, that but it's there, well, no, it's hard to replace. I, I think what's going to happen is what Popular Science predicted way back in the late nineties or whatever, which they they had an article about the ebook of the future, right? Which was going to be a book, but every single page would be made of e ink paper. Right, so what that means is it would be you know like 500 pages, and you depending on which book you wanted to read, you could select which book you wanted to read, and it would fill the whole book, right, with those pages of the book you wanted to read, and then you could annotate it, and it would save your annotations, but only in that particular book, and it would feel like real paper and all this. But now that yeah, that, that's, a, that's a ways off. That's a ways off, but yeah. All right, um, but that's where we're headed. Okay, what 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 other cool stuff do we like, Andrew? Um, there's a new product out called LumoLift. It's at l u m o bodytech dot com, mm-hmm. and um, it's interesting. It's it's a um, it's a little monitor that you um, put. You can wear it like a, on a lapel. It's got a little magnet on the back, and you can wear it like a piece. You can hide it under your on your shirt, under your jacket, or even put it on your. And, and it basically it sits up here. Like on your chest somewhere, and it measures body position in relationship to the horizon. So if I'm sitting here, like if I sit, you, you see me starting the slouch like this. Mm-hmm. It'll read that in position to the rest of my body and to the horizon, and go, and it goes, and it, it, a little slight buzz, and it reminds me to sit up and to straighten my posture. And over time, every time you try to slouch, you you start getting used to sitting up. This is kind of like and it the, all, it, you're using you're hacking yourself by creating your own nagger. You're making. You remember how your mom would have been, Mark, sit up, Mark. You're, you're slouching. Sit up at the table. You know you're creating your you're carrying your mom around with you to nag at you. And over time, it corrects your posture by reminding you that you want to do so. Which is kind of I'm not so much interested in this product per se. I'm interested in the concept of digital naggers, so to speak. Well, you know, a new one just came out this week, uh, which uh, apparently gives you a little electrical shock every day you don't exercise. Have you wow. heard of this? Um, no, I haven't. Well, maybe you can pull that up on your on your computer. Uh, but I was going to say another thing that, that I've come across that I really like uh, are these new cameras that um, take pictures of the entire light spectrum. So this is kind of hard to even explain because I don't even know the right terminology. There's one of them is called the Lytro, L-Y-T-R-O camera. Yeah. Uh, There are a few other brands of this now too. But basically what it is is the camera, um, rather than recording a specific 2D image, records all of the light that comes in through the lens. And so what this means for the photographer is that rather than focusing on an object, you can just take a picture and then in post-production, you can fo- change the focal point. Hmm. So you could have, say, a coffee cup on a table and a landscape behind it, right? And uh, under normal, using a normal camera, you would either have to focus on the coffee cup yeah. or focus on the, on the landscape scene. But using one of these light cameras, you can take a picture and then afterwards decide which part of the image you're going to focus on. Could you, could you make it focus on both of them and make them both in contrast and make it hyper-real almost? Or? I think... Think so, but I'm not sure. I'm gonna see if I can show. Oh, I don't want to play that. I was gonna try to show you an image here. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's funny because especially 
where cameras are getting more ubiquitous and stuff that we can do with the images afterwards is getting more ubiquitous. But the if we can start really changing the technology about how things are captured, like last night I was up at Red Rocks uh, Amphitheater seeing Davajka and Gregory Allen Isakoff, and it was beautiful. But when it got dark, the uh, the stage lights, the big the big bright lights that are kind of flare, they became giant flares in my iPhone. And maybe I'm just stupid and I couldn't figure out the setting, but I was going around my settings. I was being distracted from the show, trying to figure out my settings to try to and try to counteract that glare so that I wouldn't have these giant starbursts. So um, if anyone listening knows how to do that, that'd be awesome. Because I, I think there is because the head because the head and the heart is playing there on the fifth fourteen. Well, you so. you can you can get a shout uh, out to Kenny if you're ridiculously listening. you can get a lens to attach to your iPhone. Oh, there's these? a bunch of those. Yeah, it's insane. I think that's ridiculous. Why not just get a real camera for crying out loud? Well, because I mean, you always have your iPhone with you, and it's you, easy. Are you always going to carry the lens with you? No, you're, you're it's not. A small, you're not. It's you're a not going to carry the lens. lens with you. It's ridiculous. It's like how I it's always ridiculous. Get a real camera. No, you can get a little get a real camera. You can get a little thing to put on your iPhone to turn it into a recorder to record a podcast, and I just carry that thing with me everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I've been promising to bring that for like three weeks, and yeah. I keep forgetting. Yeah. Well, anyway, because you don't want to carry it everywhere, because you'll break so, it. So you can get you can get a little Lytro for two hundred bucks, or you can get the big Lytro for about fifteen hundred. All right, I would recekommend the little one for starters until you're used to it. Okay, Lytro. Okay, so um, I got one. What else? What else do we like, Andrew? I like. Th- there's a really interesting thing happening. I noticed this starting. Um, at Cafe Grumpy, I'm in the coffee industry, as people listening probably know, um, and everyone knows that people use cafes as you know adjunct offices and stuff, and and are constantly you know just coming there just for Wi-Fi and stuff. Which I feel bad because we're we're swapping out roommates right now, and I don't have Wi-Fi at home, and so I've been doing the Bedouin office thing on my day off, and I feel bad that I'm really just looking for Wi-Fi. But I want comfort and to stay there for a long time, which I've become one of those. Wait, Anyways, so, wait, wait. So you are the person that you're criticizing? Right yeah, now. right now I am. Yeah. So well, that's anyway, not exactly fair. No, it's horrible, right? I mean, so a, basically, a, you're I'm telling a, us that you're a hypocrite. I am. Before a, you're going to. I am a hypocrite. You're going to pontificate so about the thing that's wrong. Don't listen to me doing. at all. I am a hypocrite. Do not listen. Um, no, in general, I'm not. I'm all for people using workplace having like adjunct meetings and stuff in cafes I, the, the shop you just that, don't want them to stay too long without buying the shop we have upstairs we built a conference area in right I mean I love that idea I like idea place to build some ideas right but so Cafe Grumpy in um, Chelsea I think it is in New York pulled the plug on the Wi-Fi and it made the New York Times a popular coffee house was going, and they said, "Look, we're a small shop. There was no place to sit. People were camping out forever." This is like Kaladi Brothers. Can't ever find a seat in there. Yeah, so the, the people camp, right? Yeah. I ever. Oh, you guys keep talking about that shop, and I have my problems with they, they freeze their coffee or something. I wanted to check it out because everyone likes. You've it. never been there? No, I wanted to see what oh everyone likes. I don't like. Uh, there's things I. Uh, anyway, I just want to see what everyone likes about the shop, and I've never been able to get there when I could find a place to sit. Oh yeah, I don't like the shop. I just like the coffee. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, I've never had it, so I'm not going to say a word. I've heard they freeze their coffee. What was the coffee we drank today? It was Novo's. um, They were Novo roasted the coffee. It was from Volcan Panama. It was from, it was Ojo Natural. It was from Ojo de Agua. And this was the natural process coffee. So it was 
processed where they leave the fruit on the coffee, put it on raised drying beds, and it raisins up and dries up around the coffee bean the way Sauternes wine does. So this means they don't take the cherry off of yeah, the coffee bean. And, and so uh, I, skin, I liked it. I liked the it a lot. Skin it had a really fruity flavor. Yeah, the skin and the mucilage and all that imparts it. So anyway, so long story short, Cafe Grumpy pulls the plug on their Wi-Fi, makes the New York Times, people freak out, and for a while their business went down and then people started going back and they interviewed people about it and one of the regulars said yeah it sucked for a couple of weeks but then we started coming back and you know about a month in I saw something I hadn't seen in a while in a coffee house people started talking to each other again well that gets me to my 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 thing oh wow we still haven't talked about your yeah. idea yet my thing uh. is there's a new thing called Faraday Cafe it's in Vancouver and Faraday Coffee, Faraday Cafe, and they have built a coffee house inside a Faraday cage. And so, what that means is no cell signals, no Wi-Fi, nothing gets in. You can. Li- they have literally created a space where you can go back in time. You can lose. You can get out of the media. Unless you bring in a, a magazine or a newspaper with you, there's no reading Drudge Report. There's no getting a phone call. All you can do is drink coffee, have a conversation, read a book you brought, write in your journal. And wear a tinfoil hat. And wear a tin. We don't have to wear a tinfoil hat. It is, it <laughs> it is, is a tinfoil tin hat, right? <laughs> and so I, I'm getting more interested with this concept of the removal of technology and even the cancellation of technology as innovation and this has got my mind spinning on possibilities for um, uh, well, it, my I next mean, project it goes back to a theme of our podcast right which is like returning to the truly human yeah right that there are so many it's kind of a theme isn't it there are so many things in our culture that have divorced us from what it really means to be people mm-hmm. you know human beings that are really human beings that are made out of blood and flesh and stuff like that uh, and we've gotten so trapped in these ridiculous fictions mm-hmm. and and you know Cutting the, you know, pulling the plug sometimes and just getting away from that stuff is so important, I think. I'm so excited. I just found a, a, a place to go on retreat out here in the, in the mountains, and it's pretty close to Littleton. I think it's actually Littleton is the address of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called I mean, Jesus Our Hope Hermitage or something like that. And, but it looks like it's outside of cell signal. Yeah, sure. And I'm so excited because I'm going to leave the laptop at home. I'm going to shut the iPhone off and leave it in the car. Why not, right? And I'm going to have three, four days where I don't have a cell phone and I'm not checking email. And I mean, I'll have to do it over a break whenever this place is closed because if this, you know, the, my, if the shop here at the Institute's open. Right. But that's it's really important, right, for people to, to, to unplug from that stuff and just go take a walk in the park or go camping or go to the beach or whatever. Right. And just get away from but, the technology. But this, this forces you to it. Right. You want a nice coffee. You want to have a conversation, but so that thing where you're sitting there trying to talk to someone, like you and I are doing a podcast. What, you and I are doing. A, you and I are doing a podcast right now. Shop that does it's this? called Faraday Cafe in Vancouver. Not Market Lane Coffee. No. Oh. Someone else may have done it, but this is inside an actual Faraday cage. So it's literally. Is that even legal in the United States? I don't think it's legal. I don't think you are allowed to put something like that in a Faraday cage. I could be well, wrong. There's a great question. That's something to look into. We'll have to call the FCC and ask them. So yeah, so oh, wait, but they don't regulate podcasts. They won't talk to us. <laughs> there you go. So they're using heart coffee roasters, looks like, and it's it's interesting. You're seeing like all this 
they're literally they've got this mesh around all the windows and stuff and everything and they've made a um ooh that's a cool sign i'm gonna save that um they've made a um a, a space where you can't be distracted and you can you can um you can um you can opt in by going to this place and you're like hey i'm coming here because i don't want to be distracted i think that that's that's interesting so what other situations and what other environments could we remove technology and the removal of technology become well you know one that i would like to remove is the ability for people to call you in the middle of the night well you can do that yeah i suppose you can on your cell phone you can you can turn off your ringer in the middle of the night well you know there's this thing called an off switch and you turn it off but, you know, but okay, and when so, it's off, it doesn't read. What's funny though is before what before the advent of cell phones, you couldn't turn. Your, I mean, you, are no. You, yeah, it's, ironically, it's given you more I mean, power. I suppose you could turn your ringer off on the, on your phone, but pe- most people didn't. I don't think, right? So you could get woken up in the middle of the night by a phone call. Yeah, I can remember trying to sleep in one morning pre cell phone, and my phone kept ringing, and so. I took it off. I, I just hit like I hit it to get a dial tone, like I was going to dial, and I just laid it off the hook, and then it starts making that beeping noise. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I buried it under a pillow, and it still could hear the beeping noise. So I finally got up and unplugged my phone, and then went back to bed because some marketer kept trying to call me or something. But, but that's like the classic scene in a movie, right? When some a character sleeps through, you know, work or whatever, and the yeah. boss calls. At you know nine fifteen or whatever, like an office space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. This isn't a half day or anything. <laughs> yeah, if you could just go ahead and give me a ring, that'd be great. <laughs> um, Do you have more cool things? You know, there was one that just came out this week that's pretty interesting. That well, maybe it was last week. Uh, I'm not sure what I think about it yet, but it, so far it seems pretty cool. And that is Amazon Music. Uh, yeah, I've got it, and I haven't played with it. Okay, so it's 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 sort of in between Pandora and um, and Spotify, more yeah. like Spotify than Pandora. Basically, what it is is if you're an Amazon Prime member, which a lot of people are now, Amazon is giving so you, worth it. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> Amazon is giving you access to a very generously large library of music that you can listen to anything in there. On top of all of the, all of the other borrowed books and all right. the free video yeah. and free two-day shipping. It's not free. You're paying a fee. Well, nine, it right. used to be 89 That's 99 bucks right. a year for for a lot of services. A lot of free yeah. shipping. You know? uh, and pretty soon they're going to be delivering packages to our doors with drones in less than 30 minutes. Man, I am really kind of skeptical slash freaked out by that. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, that's just like... <laughs> Look, the problem is, is that when you're a bibliophile like right, me, no, I know you can get your book fixed right away, right? You I mean, it's like Ken, it's minutes. like Kindle for paperbacks. I mean, it is. It's like, it it's, is. like it's like it's just ridiculous, man. Yeah. And so I um I've been think- I'm sure they've got a warehouse somewhere in Denver, though. I've been thinking right? of you know I've been thinking about joining Bookaholics Anonymous because I hear they give you a book when you go to the first meeting on, reco- uh, on recovery. Uh. I just want to go the one time and get the book. You know, no, seriously, it's like here's the thing: is that, the thing about the internet. Wait, but we didn't talk about Amazon Music enough yet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was, was going to okay, go. So, over, yeah. so Amazon Music is interesting because it gives you access to all of this music from many, many different genres. Right, so you can listen to all kinds of different stuff. Um, and you can pick out exactly what you want to listen to. So I, I've, I'm a Pandora subscriber. I like Pandora a lot, but 
The problem with Pandora is you start, you know, uh, thumbs thumbsing up some music, and it starts playing the same tracks over and over again. Yeah. Right. Or or it plays different versions of the exact same song over and over and no, over. I, again. I, I'm, which drives me crazy because I'm like, that's not why I'm listening. No, to music. I don't trust Pandora. I mean, and a friend of mine summed it up. I saw a Facebook post not too long ago where my, fa- my a friend of mine said, my Johnny Cash station on Pandora just played Ganyam style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, there's exactly. someone's paying someone somewhere, right? Yes, yeah. And so well, I like so, Spotify. Right, Spotify so is way music better. Is more like Spotify in that you can choose a particular album, add it to your library, yeah. listen to the songs in that album, and move on. But it's uber limited. Uh, I mean, compared to Spotify, I went okay, on there. You're right. It's limited by comparison to Spotify, but it's not limited by comparison to most people's CD collections. No, but I mean, I went on there and looked for 10 CDs, 10, 10, 10 albums to listen to, and like five or six of them weren't there. Right. No, so you're, it's going to be kind of like Amazon's movie selection yeah. or something where, where there will be certain areas where it's really strong. So I like to listen to classical music when I work. That's pretty easy to find on there. Yeah. But if you're looking for a particular artist that maybe isn't super well known or is really recent, probably yeah. not going to find it. No, them. you just plug in Vivaldi, and they're going to play in all the stuff that's kind of works in that world. And yep. yeah. But and then it also has um, playlists that are pre pre made if you want to listen to, you know, this kind of music or whatever. But you don't have to go through and pick everything out. Yeah, I mean, I like Spotify because you can create your own playlist and stuff, and they have every. It seems like they just have like every record ever made. Yeah, I mean, it's, like it's, I, it's a very comprehensive. Director. I mean, it's like on, on Amazon Music. I went and I went. I wanted to listen to Smashing Pumpkins' first record, Gish. Not there. Yeah, I'm like, oh great, I'll listen to Siamese Dream. Not there. I'm like, okay, well let's listen to Veruca Salt because I want to hear their first record. I'm on a '90s kick right now. No, not there. I was like, really. And it's like it's all on Spotify, including the like bootlegs and B sides and all this weird stuff. I mean, it's all on there. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I think I'm a Spotify guy still. So, um, but there's no ads on Amazon Music. Well, that's better than Pandora, right? Well, I'm better than Spotify. Well, Spotify, if you're if you're a member, if you're a member, you're not getting ads, yeah. Right. I mean, it's I don't even know if you can even listen to Spotify without being a Spotify's member. Spotify's ten bucks a month, though. Yeah, well, ten bucks a month for every CD on planet Earth. Call it on me. I'm a first world spoiled person, and I'll spend ten bucks on. I don't. I'm, I'm not currently a subscriber. Yeah. Right now, but I because I, I the the aforementioned Target hack, right? I never did go put my new card in Spotify. It made me reevaluate every little auto trawler across the board. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see. Well, we've talked about a lot of different things that we like. Do you have anything else? Uh, you know, there are a lot of other things that I like, but I think... Where are we at on time here? We, we probably should call it quits. Um, I, I got one more thing. I mean, I guess the, the thing to say is that there are a lot of new, in, not exactly inventions, but innovations that have come about in the past five or ten years that are really fascinating and have a lot of potential to change the way we you know, interact with information or right. each other or whatever else. And that it's really worth kicking back for once in a while and appreciating what some of those things are. I mean, just imagine 10 years ago there was no YouTube, no Facebook, you know, none of that stuff. Well, you and I were talking about um, the oldest the oldest guy on earth, wasn't it? 126 or, years old. Yeah, 126 years old. Yeah, so it's like this guy was born before electricity and cars. Yeah. And he's alive right now 
and we're talking about digital paper and Spotify and Google Glass and you know the need to go into a Faraday cage right to yeah. have a drink <laughs> have a cup of coffee without the guy you're trying to talk to checking his his cell phone six times every minute while you're yeah. trying to talk to him about an idea right I think it's a I think there's something there. If he lives long enough, maybe he'll see the return to the late 1800s, and we'll we'll get all get sane and go back. Is that him? That's him, dude. That guy looks awesome. I'm rooting, <laughs> I am so rooting for that guy. <laughs> Supposedly 126 years old. I don't want to be 126 years old. That's a long time. Because I feel this bad at 43. I'm, they say you're only as old as you feel, and <laughs> I, I feel pretty old. So I, I, if I'm still alive at 126, I will, as my, as our previous podcast said, I will definitely be someplace with someone scraping applesauce off of my chin for right. minimum wage. Well, so <laughs> by the time you get to the end of this podcast, there might be somebody scraping applesauce off of your chin. But in the meantime, maybe you could leave but a pay comment. The, pay them a living wage. May, Come on. Maybe you could leave a comment on our Facebook page about some of the cool stuff you like. And we could maybe revisit this topic at some point. That's facebook.com slash OTC podcast. And for now, this is the end of the Over the Counter podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck. And I am Andrew Whaley.